Yo, welcome to the Lumumba Report. My name is Ross Makalani Lumumba, and this discussion is about prison without a trial. In fact, prison without a crime. And I first recorded this for about an hour, and they cut it. Uh, when I tried to edit it and upload it, they cut it. There's nothing on the tape. So I would try to go through this and maybe do, and, and I spoke for about an hour. So maybe I'll do about 10, 15 minutes, and maybe I can get what I want to say in 10, 15 minutes and see how that go. Because obviously they don't want, they don't want this information to go through. So I won't try to go through it as fast as I can just to give you an idea of what the United States government is capable of. Now, February, 14, February 12th, 2014, I was living in Rosarito, Mexico, which is about uh, on the other side of Tijuana at the border. And to this day, I know that it was a it was an unprovoked attack. And anytime there's an unprovoked attack, then what they used to say a long time ago, that's pig action. So I think they set this young man up against me. He was 39 years old. I was 58 at the time. I was selling my little incense and oils and things on the street in Rosarito. This guy came by, started trouble, started standing in front of me and just out of the blue just started you know, starting trouble. And I told him, go away, get away from me, go. He leaves, he comes back uh, within a minute or two, and he starts up again. I'm like, come on, man, you got to go. What's going on? Go. He starts, he say what he got to say. He's gone again. I looked up, next thing I know, he's, you know, drilling on me. He's coming down with some blows on me. And when I caught my composure, you know, my instinct, you know, I went right after him with a left kick to the ribs, and he saw what was coming, and so he came at me like a bull and backed me up against the window of this supermarket, and the window caved in. All right, long story short, we ended up going to jail for that. We stayed for two days uh, on a concrete floor, no beds and nothing. Stayed for two days, they gave us water, but they gave us no food. In the morning of the 14th, they said, okay, come on, let's go, you're going to prison. And that's how I went to prison, just like that. Now, once I got there, what kept me in prison was the United States government. The United States government, I believe, was paying the prison, which the way I was, saw it ran, it, it ran like a, you could tell that the government slash cartel, or I should say cartel slash government, it's running this prison, mainly the cartel. And so, you know, of course, the United States government is playing, paying the cartel to keep me locked up in there. We were locked down 24 hours a day, and most of the people in the prison, uh, it was like 8,000 8, people. And in every cell, except for the cell from hell, they put me in a cell from hell. Uh, this is what the Mexican called the American cell. There's about seven or eight of us in there. 
when I first got there, and it was as many as about 14 or 15 by the time I left. And all the other cells, there were about 20 to 25 people, and it's only about maybe four to five beds in there. No mattresses or nothing. Everybody's sleeping on the floor and what have you. And this is where I lived for two years. Uh, you only go out to the yard an hour, hour and a half a week. Uh, if they didn't take that privilege from us, which they did many times. And so again, we locked up 24 hours a day, eat twice a day, mostly pork, which I didn't eat. Wasn't even really clean water. I went into prison weighing 160 pounds. I came out weighing 119. The guy that I went in there with, they gave him two months. I did two years. The U.S. consulate did nothing, absolutely nothing. They would come ever so often, like every two or three months, and they would, you know, get a file on you, uh, ask you what the situation was, and when I told them my situation, the next couple, two or three months, they come back, they had nothing on my file. A new person that interviewed me, there was nothing in the file. So I knew very, very early on that the government was a part of this and that they were the main reason why I was there in the first place and that they were paying the cartel to keep me locked up in there. Um, every time I went to what they call court, I, I'm in tier one, this is the La Mesa prison. The La Mesa prison uh, is overcrowded. Seven to eight thousand prisoners, at least twenty to twenty-five people in every cell. Most people are locked down twenty-four hours a day. If you don't have any money, uh, you basically don't eat, except for what the little bit that they provide for you. You want toilet paper to wipe your behind? You have to buy it. If you don't have any toilet paper, you just out of luck. I was in the cell from hell. Americans. Uh, they kind of hated me because uh, they couldn't intimidate me. And so they would buy food and eat food and they wouldn't share with me. Uh, when I asked for toilet paper, nobody would give me toilet paper. I had to tear a my underwear into pieces and strips and I used my underwear to wipe my behind. Um, it was madness, uh, it was crazy, uh, volatile. Um, every time I went to court from Tijuana to Rosalito, which is about uh, half an hour or so, I go on what they, what I call joyride. Joyride is when they put you in a dark black van where you can't see anything, no windows, nothing, and they handcuff you, and then they drive down the street like a bat out of hell. And so you're thrown back and forth like a sack of potatoes. Every time I went to the court, so-called court, this is what happened. On the way and back, I had joyrides. I had about at least seven of them while I was there, seven, eight joyrides. Um, 
And, uh, and court, really wasn't court, like I said, I never saw a judge. I was never charged with a crime. I was never sentenced for the crime, and yet I spent two years locked down 24 hours a day. U.S. government did absolutely nothing except for the pay dub to keep me locked up in there. Um, so this is basically how I spent those two years. And um, 18 months was in a cell from hell. And, and, and the Mexicans called the American cell, cell from hell. I was on the yard one day and the guy said, hey man, how are you making it in a cell from hell? That was the first time I heard of it. Because there was always fights and, you know, and screaming and yelling and intimidation going on. And of course they could hear that all over the, all over the prison. Um, but every time I went to what they call court, all, all you do, uh, all it was was you was in a cell and they call you out and there's a window and you can look in and you can see a court-like situation. But I never appeared before a judge or appeared in the courtroom. They always came out with some papers and told me what they wanted me to sign. And so I went one time and they said, three months if you sign and said you have to start the fight, which I didn't. It was unprovoked. I didn't do anything. I'm on my job. He came and started something with me. But they wanted me to say that we both started a fight and that way I would get out earlier. That's what I was told. It didn't happen. Three months came and went. They pulled me back out and said, sign this paper here for another three months. And I told them, go to hell. When I got back to the cell from hell, they said, man, you shouldn't have done that because if you don't sign the paper, or what they want you to sign, you're gonna do more time. And they wouldn't, they, would, they were right. I ended up doing two years. But I wasn't gonna sign it, which it, in a way was good for me, because if I was to sign every three months, that was like saying, yes, I'm guilty for whatever they wanted me to sign. But since I didn't, they had a problem on their hand. All they could do was make me do the time, but I didn't sign my name to it except for those three months. And they told me if I signed it, that I would get out. That's the only reason why I signed it in the first place. They said I would get out if I signed it. It didn't happen. So, one of the interesting things is that the president of Mexico, Manuel Lopez Obrador, who wasn't president at the time, but I, I understood that he came up to the prison and Next thing I know, we knew the guards were leaving. Next thing we knew, it was a handful of guards on the yard. The only people that was out there was a few of the soldiers. Now, the, 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 the military was actually running the prison. And they were running the prison because about two or three years prior to me getting into the Mesa prison, there was a big prison riot where at least over a hundred people were murdered. And I, I, and I was told that mostly they were guards that were murdered. And they were protesting then the overcrowdedness and the way they couldn't really get food, not so much from the government, but even when they went to, uh, what they call it, the commissary. 
And so that's what the fight was basically all about. So after that, they put to, that's when the military came out to oversee what was happening at the prison. And so while a lot of the military stayed, a lot of those guards were, they were being gone, they were being removed left and right. Um, and some of the uh, uh, workers that were there, they were being removed. Uh, so I take my hat off to Lopez Obrador, who came all the way from Mexico City just because he heard about this man from the United States who was being held against his will, not being charged with a crime, or even sentenced to a crime, just being held there, even while the U.S. government was looking the other way. Um, so I want to publicly thank uh, Lopez Obrador for whatever uh, the, the work that he did tried to secure my release. Um, I was 58 years old and uh, after I got out of the cell, after 18 months, I got out of the cell from hell. Long story how I got out, so we'll run through that. I got out and they put me in this crowded cell where there were 25 deep. And so I slept under a bed on concrete uh, for five months. So I slept five months on concrete. Now I was coming up on 60 years of age and so they had to let me out and put me in the old man's tech. You had to be 60 plus. And by the time I got there, which was very quiet. I mean, you know, I was the youngest one there. Everybody else was 70 and 80. I think it was another guy, 60, he's like 62 or something. Everybody else was 70 and 80. It was only like five or six of us in there. And we could go out every day, about an hour or two, every day. Sometimes twice a day to exercise. So it was a little, it was a little bit better in the old man's tank. Two weeks later, they opened up the door and said, you can go. The problem with that is there's a process that you go through and I didn't go through that process. Usually they pull you out, send you to the office, the main office, telling you what was going on, when you're gonna be released and so forth. And they give you a document from the prison I guess to document the fact that you had been there or whatever that is. I didn't get that. They opened up the door and said, see ya. <laughs> and I think the reason that they did it because they didn't want me to have uh, proof that I was there because they would have to prove to somebody, why did you arrest me in the first place and why did you take me to the prison and keep me there for two years you never charged me with a crime. What they did, I was never charged with a crime. They kept saying, you haven't been sentenced yet. Every time I say, hey, what's going on? You haven't been sentenced yet. Now, wait a minute, what's my crime? You haven't been sentenced yet. This is all they would say. But fortunately for me, I had the bracelet. They give everybody a little bracelet with your, with your picture on it and your prison number. And the prison number was the number, uh, the number of the, the person, uh, of the prisoner 
You know, am I saying that the date that you got there and the number of the prisoner processed at that particular time on that date? That's your prison number. That's how they add up the prison number. Um, and I remember this was February, and I remember I was on. I was already the probably the 800 and something person, you know, in two months that they had already rescued, but I don't have the prison number in front of me, but but I have that copy. I don't have the actual bracelet, but I have the copy of it. Because they trying to say that I wasn't even there, which is why they processed me. They didn't process me. They opened up the gate and said, like I said, see you, you gotta go. You ready, you can go. Just like that. And so, that was basically that experience. I could go through a whole lot of other little details in terms of why they call the cell from hell the cell from hell. But I wanted to explain some of what happened before they snatched this particular video up because I did a recording, like I said earlier, for about an hour and I wasn't able to post it up and there was nothing on the, the, the recording until I recorded it. So obviously they don't want this information out here because it's too indicting for not only the Mexican prison, but for the United States government who did absolutely nothing to obtain my release. Because they, I don't know if I said this, but they will come, the consulate, the, the American government, every two or three months and talk with the prisoners to update their records and so forth. Every time they came, I had to start all over and explaining why I was there in the first place. So in other words, they never even kept records of me, even though I'm sure they did, but they didn't have it in my file. So that's why the person would always ask me, well, what, what you're here for? Every time. And I told them, hey, I've already explained this before. And after about the third or fourth time, I said, I'm not explaining it again. Because you're full of, you know, full of it. And, you know, and I basically told them, told them to shove it. And so when I did that, after that, they never even called me out anymore. Because they knew I knew that they full of shit. Right? So that's the United States government. They aided and abetted the, the Mexican prison, and I won't even say government, the Mexican prison at La Besa, and keeping me locked up in there for two years without even committing a crime. So that's indicted to the U United States, even if they did pay them, and I believe they, and I, I believe they did. Even if they did, they, they neglected their duty by allowing me to stay there when I didn't even commit a crime. But that's the American government. And before I leave, I want to give you one more example. When I was there, there was a, a man there from Canada. He was both an American citizen and a Canadian citizen. They were railroading him. He called the U.S. government up and told him what was going on. The U.S. did absolutely nothing for him. The next day, he called the Canadian government. The next day from that, the Canadian government came and got him out of there, because he should have been there. They were railroading him. So, did you, you, so you can clearly see just from that, that Canadian government cares a little bit more about their citizens than the United States government. So that's, in a nutshell, how I spent two years 
in the La Mesa prison in Tijuana without committing a crime. I was never charged with a crime. I was never sentenced for a crime. And yet I did two years locked down 24 hours a day in a crowded prison cell for something I didn't do. And the United States did absolutely nothing. And that is just part of my story.